0: You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Hi, guys, and welcome to ayahuascapodcast.com. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Rick Duvaliers. Uh, Rick is from South Africa. I believe Rick is a facilitator himself, and uh, I stumbled upon Rick's video when I was myself learning more about subject of integration, and his video on YouTube on the topic was really the best um, I found. He has has, his amazing ability to express himself, and he's very knowledgeable when it comes to the topic. So I decided to reach out to him and invite him to this podcast, and Universe conspired and a couple... Common uh, friends have emerged, and um, we have him here now on this episode. Rick, uh, Rick, uh, wel- welcome to Ayahuasca Podcast, uh, and it's uh, it's great having you, Rick. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah, it's great to be
0: here. Uh, Rick, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into the the topic.
1: Sure. So, as far as my healing journey or medicine journey has gone Uh, as I said it's it's been about four years since I first met the medicine Uh, I was at a very low point in my the lowest point in my life and uh, it was it was the point at which the gate opened for me to then move on to the next chapter and so it was it was such a blessing that that was what was needed to push me and I worked with San Pedro for a while and then finally I felt that Ayahuasca was calling and that was, you know, that was the step that I needed to take. My first retreat was completely life-changing. It, it just took me to who I was supposed to be. It was, it was just nothing short of magical. And yeah, following that I had this deep passion for the medicine and a curiosity for the medicine and I was just so enchanted by this world and wanted to know more about it and it just felt like home um and so i worked with the medicine as much as i could during that year i had a a, the person that i first sat with was a was a good mentor to me and and we sat together one-on-one a few times and i never intended on holding space or serving the medicine it was never part of my plan i had no intention of doing that no need to do that and then the medicine gave me this kind of a mission if you like it was a the ceremony that I had that it showed me that you know the potential of the medicine to heal the world from a not just from everybody drinking ayahuasca point of view but really from a point of view of the ripple the, the knock-on effect that, that that has when one person heals the impact that that has on their family their friends their employees you know um and what the medicine said was that you know there are a lot of very kind of spiritual seeking person people who are looking for this medicine, but your average CEO and accountants and politician and that kind of thing, these people often look at the medicine with suspicion. You know, it's, it's something that's a little too far out there. Um, they're not maybe ready to go camping in the jungle and that kind of thing. And so the medicine said to me, you know, it needs to be legitimized in a way that sober cynical people can look at it as a, as a, as a possibility for their healing, you know, something that's, that's a real possibility um and it just said to me look if you're up for it you know it's something that you could be good at I've spent a lot of my life in in kind of corporate in the corporate world working for corporate companies in my job and it said to me you could be a good translator you know um one foot in both worlds and I started doing that with my mentor and then it just didn't go very well there were too many too many ideas in the in the pot and it wasn't quite the mission that that I had been given So I realized the only way I could possibly manifest that was to go to the jungle and do my initiation and learn and, you know, do the studying and everything. So I went off to Peru and spent two months there and it was hell. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and then I got back and then I I sat and co-facilitated with my mentor for about a year. and then eventually started my own retreats and that and yeah and then that's been about yeah two years or so of doing those retreats Mm -hmm. so that's basically my my little journey
0: it's interesting we have a lot of parallels uh, in our stories because i also first sat with the medicine about a bit more than four years ago i also never planned to start a retreat it just kind of happened to me also had a calling message in the jungle and um since then, basically synchronicity after synchronicity. Here we are, and um, yeah. yeah, it's funny how you just once you experience that yourself. And also, I was in a very low low when I when I got into that. And it's um, I think it kind of ties into integration, right? The way the way um, I think you talk about it in your videos, how medicine doesn't stop where the ceremony stops, and it's actually the medicine is all around us. Um, all all together so let's um uh, let's talk a little bit about integration right Uh, so it's a it's a difficult concept to explain it's something i battle myself when when uh, when retreats are happening because there's always um, there's so many facets to it that you can always kind of take a little bit different of an angle of explaining it but for you what 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 is integration how do you explain it to people
1: Sure, So you know, I mean, the world that we live in now, and I think this is the, the the first thing that that I see as an important thing to be aware of with integration, is that the world that we live in now is so different from the natural world, you know, in terms of when you are a vulnerable animal living in the forest where your next meal is served by faith and grace, as opposed to the world that we live in, where we control everything around us. We control the electricity, the running water. We control everything around us. So there's so much about our lives which is constructed and contrived, and there's a sense of control, and that everything's cause and effect and, and all of that. And that breeds a lot of fear, um, because then what happens if you lose control? You know. Um, mm-hmm. So, And then we have our traumas thrown into that and, and, and all of that kind of thing. So you've got this whole baggage of life, where it's all about this control and very much in the mind and then you have this mystical deeply spiritual experience and what this medicine asks of you more than anything else is to have faith you know if any if nothing else it's it's to it's to go with the flow to believe in the journey to let go to surrender you know and this is the, the greatest challenge for a lot of, you know, Western minded people coming to the medicine is learning to surrender. It's obviously the, the biggest obstacle for everyone in the medicine. And it is the gift that the medicine gives you, which is the most profound is the ability to surrender into anything that life shows you. But obviously, you know, old habits die hard. And there's so many triggers all around us to try and take control again, to try and, you know, to, to fall into fear again. Um, So I think by and large, the integration process is on the one hand, a trust process, you know, it's about trust and faith. So you have this, this, you know, unbelievable window into the truth. Um, And then it just gets tested, you know, every day it goes out there and it gets tested. And The integration process is really about taking those obstacles in your mind or the whole of your mind, essentially, and trying to quieten that down enough that 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 knowledge, that understanding, that instinct for the truth that you experienced so profoundly in your journey um, can become a part of your life, can become the walk that you walk every single day of your life, and that you can just manifest that that understanding that clarity that peace you know i think that's the crux of the integration process is 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 that that faith that trust you know that calm that peace that surrender um, mm-hmm. and yeah i mean just to just to go on about you know a little bit about what i said in, in the video is that you know when people think about surrender i mean uh integration the, the mistake with integration is, I think that you know, just like we tackle every other problem in our lives with our minds, you know, our instinct is always to tackle the problem with our minds. People will often have an, in, you know, an in, uh, an uh, an inclination to tackle integration also with their minds, right? So they also set out a journal or make a checklist or, you know, as I say in the video, you know, they monitor themselves and they say, well, you know, I said I wouldn't drink alcohol, so I'm not going to drink alcohol. And they kind of really monitor themselves and make sure that they're integrating and, and, and scold themselves potentially when they're not integrating properly or if they repeat the same mistake again. And, you know, there's a sense of needing to perform um, and, and meet some kind of an expectation that you've set for yourself uh and 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 you know forgiveness forgiveness of self is one of the other things that i find in the medicine is such a challenging thing for a lot of people you know forgiving other people in the medicine is often easier because you see things through the context of the other person and that allows you to forgive them It gives you the perspective and the understanding you know and the compassion but forgiving yourself is really difficult because it's hard to move forward you know you you see something and you feel like you maybe don't deserve to move forward so You know, that forgiveness of self is such an important part of integration as well, because integration can never be perfect, right? You cannot integrate perfectly. You can't come out of an ayahuasca ceremony and then just live perfectly for the rest of your life. That is completely unrealistic. So integration is such a, you know, it's an art form. It's it's a slow, gentle process. Uh, It's not something to be rushed. It's not something to be crushed. It's not something to be good at. Um, not at all, you know, it's, it's something to be quiet about, curious about, kind to yourself about, you know, being, being like a a parent to your four-year-old self and giving yourself a break and saying, you know, this is, this is my intention is to change. You know, my intention is to manifest this new part of me that I've, that I've come back to. Um, but it's not going to be overnight and it's not going to be easy Uh, I've got, you know, decades of baggage. Um, And not to mention the other thing which a lot of people struggle with, integration, is the entire circumstance of your life. You've got all those relationships that you have to go back into. You've gone through a profound, you know, transformation. They haven't um you know and, and this this is something that, that a lot of people do struggle with if it's a you know going back to a partner or going back to your your friend group you know a lot of people say you know when people are come back on retreats and things like that I'm sure you've experienced as well that you know their friend groups change you know after they start working with the medicine because it just doesn't work for them anymore that that friendship was filling a hole and that hole is now gone you know, so that friendship then doesn't serve the same, the same function and, and, and is no longer necessary. And that's quite traumatic. And obviously other people don't like that. Um, so it's not as easy as just walking out all Zen and just going about your business. Everyone else expects you to be a certain person and, and shedding your skin, so to speak, is, is troublesome. The world might not always approve of that. Um, so, yeah, there's so many pitfalls um but I always say when you're going to go through something hard the best way to approach it is to acknowledge to yourself first before you start that what you're going to go through is hard because just that process of acknowledgement you know it's like you're just about to run a marathon or climb a mountain or whatever the case is you know when somebody embarks on running a marathon they stand on the starting line they know it's going to be tough so when it is tough it doesn't come as a surprise to them. It doesn't, you know, uh, deflate them or anything like that. They just buckle in and keep going because that was the deal all along. They knew that it was going to be tough and they were prepared for that. So, you know, as far as the integration process is concerned, it's important to know, look, this isn't going to be a piece of cake. You know, it's not going to be easy to just, you know, walk this this new way of life necessarily. There are going to be tricky things to it. And just being patient and kind and, and you know, just knowing that it's a, a long journey, you know. It's just something that you that you just uh, just keep going you know there's no time
0: limits setting expectations <clears throat> is very important you know when whether when people come to the retreat and they need to understand that ayahuasca is not going to be easy and there's work you need to do and nobody else can do it for you and it's same with integration right and the the work is even the workload is even bigger when the retreat ends and there is no direct guidance from the medicine to tell you exactly what to do. Um, And yeah, I do agree with you a lot on, on the fact that integration is somewhat of a passive process and you can't really force it too much. Uh, However, for example, I really thought about integration a lot when, when starting the retreat and I, and I try and help people um, to not only understand that topic, but also to to remember about, and for example, here at, uh, at Lawire, we we did create a journal, which is an integration journal, but it's kind of like an ability for people to at least recall what happened during the ceremony so they can go back to it mm-hmm. and not forget it. And then as they as they read their experience over and over again, or maybe it's a mix of that and also picking up a journaling practice where they can find time of the day to actually think about stuff uh, and because I th- I think um, in what we do here is also we try and uh, have people kind of be bored a little bit because I think that in those moments of boredom when nothing is happening when they're not entertained the thoughts start to to process themselves and you know you, you can allow give yourself time to think and I think The problem with the current society a lot as well is we don't have time to think because even let's say you're in the past, you would go to an elevator, you would enter the elevator, you would think thoughts, you would come up. And now is we always have our phones on us. And I think the the worst thing for integration is that smartphone addiction, which I myself suffer from, especially because, you know, you have to work so much on your phone to, to organize things. So my next question to you is what uh, um, and I know it kind of goes again against your whole philosophy because you do say it's not an active process but what could you recommend people do maybe actively or some kind of tips or tricks that, that can help them in that process if that makes any sense.
1: Sure, no, absolutely. No, I, I, I do believe there are there are, you know, uh, tools at your disposal, uh, and I think that for me, just instinctively, when you asked me that question, I haven't given it much thought now. But just instinctively, when you asked that, mm-hmm. where my mind went to was, you know, what you just said about boredom, you know, and 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 forcing people into a bit of boredom when they're actually. We do. I do that as well. You know, I, I actively discourage people from chit-chat on retreats because people get into conversations they get very excited. Everyone's going through a lot and whatever. And then sometimes the conversation can just go on a little too long and then everyone gets a little distracted from their own personal process. And, you know, it's about you. You're there for you. You're going to leave and, and it's just going to be you. So, you know, I try and encourage people to spend time alone as much as possible. So the the, the whole thing about you know the medicine and, and, and its gift right and and how it gives that gift is this idea of sitting in discomfort right that's what the medicine does it, it it puts you into a state of discomfort and you need to surrender to that and so you learn to 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 master discomfort fear pain you know dread guilt uh regrets all these things uh and sometimes just physical discomfort um so you know it, all the, the spiritual practices since the dawn of time have heralded discomfort as this pathway you know to 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 an inner to an inner process you know whether it's walking on coals or christians do lent and you know and there's there's fasting and there's there's this and all these different you know things it's it's, it's all about the abstinence and 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 that discomfort so you know, I would say that if you're struggling with your with your integration process, or if you feel like you need to do something to assist you in your integration process, you know, my instinct would say, do something difficult. You know, do something difficult. Um, put yourself under a bit of pressure. Maybe do do a two day fast or something like that. Um, or, or or something along those lines. If 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 that's what you need, some people need different things, but. You know, and and also things like, okay, conversation would be another one that I would say is like a really important thing. So there's probably a laundry list, two full scat pages long by the time you leave a retreat of things that you should have said to people in your life that you never did, right? You've never had those conversations with them. There's so many people you haven't told them how you feel about them or things that you've done that you maybe feel you want to get off your chest. Or, you know, there's there's a thousand difficult uncomfortable conversations just waiting for you and beyond each one of those conversations is a beautiful and glorious liberation for your soul and those are the kind of things that I would probably engage in if I wanted to do a really active um you know an active integration would be to to really put myself in those difficult positions and rather not just leave those things and just say no you know what I, I don't know if i if i want to tackle that or i don't want to get into that or you know i haven't spoken to that person in a long time i'm sure they've forgotten about it or whatever you know that's that's really when you put yourself in that position of vulnerability that'll take you straight back to your ceremony you know that that being vulnerable is such an integral part of what you need to get to the medicine what the medicine needs you to learn anything from it and definitely what you should take back into your life to be to be open to be vulnerable to be able to be wrong you know uh these are all things that kind of maintain that humility uh and and with that stays the connection you know um so yeah and i think more communication you know uh, real communication obviously and and yes you know you, you can meditate and, and and do all of those things it's funny, quite a lot of people ask me on retreats and that you know what kind of practices do I do you know do I meditate do I do yoga do I do all this I suppose people are curious as to know what 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 a facilitator would do in their own lives and I always say no I don't really um because for me I I try and look at life as a meditation you know that every single moment of every single day you know um and 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 I was just saying that it's not for everybody but i think there's there's a possibility that when you start meditating habitually what you do is you almost create that same thing where i talk about in the integration video where it's easy to see the medicine as one world and the real world is a different world you know and and that's a mistake you've really got to understand that the spirit moves around you all the time in the medicine out the medicine it's all the same thing and So it can be the same thing with these practices like meditation and yoga and all of these things. It can be the same thing where, you know, you sit down to meditate in this harmonious environment and you burn incense or whatever the case is. And then, and then when you stand up off your meditation, there is this transition from this sanctuary that you've created, even if it's only in your mind and then going into the traffic and having someone cut you off or steal your parking or or whatever. So, you know, for me, I, I, I want to be able to, whatever I do for my integration, I would want it to be kind of real, you know, like real as in amongst everything else, you know, amongst all the noise. Um, so what I so what I often say to people who ask me that question is, I say, well, the kind of meditation I would like to do, and I haven't done it, but I'd really love to do it one day, is actually just to go to a very busy mall and go and sit down on the floor in the middle of the mall and close my eyes And meditate there with everyone walking past thinking i'm a complete lunatic you know because that's the kind of thing i'm talking about you know that that intense discomfort and self-consciousness the things that you would have to overcome within yourself to find peace while you're sitting there on the floor waiting for security to come and get you you know that would teach you so much it would take you back to that journey being in that discomfort having to surrender having to You know, overcome all the fear, um and and making the peace inside yourself, not having the peace around you already, just making the peace for yourself. So yeah, if I was to talk about active integration, it it would be things like that. It would be things where you're kind of you're exercising those muscles, you're exercising those surrender muscles, if you like, you know, um kind of putting a bit of pressure on you.
0: This is um this is all true that you're saying it's just extremely difficult. It's like, uh, level, uh, kind of like expertise level kind of meditation, right? And uh, this image sure. that you said about you sitting in the mall and uh, meditating, it reminded me there's this uh, Japanese, I believe, practice where there is a monk and he quietly walks through a busy street and as he takes a step, he rings the bell, that kind of stuff like where meditation is... Um, is pretty much your your entire life is meditation so um it's interesting that you mentioned that you you tell people at the retreat not to chit chat i do something similar but what we do instead of sort of saying uh, don't communicate i do believe in in talking as a form of integration however it has to be deep conversation. so what i what i ask people to do is take off the masks and uh, accept that this is is a safe space where deep conversation is allowed. And if somebody asks you, how are you in the morning, instead of saying, okay, you say stuff like, you know, I had a nightmare and it brought this memory about uh, childhood trauma and just go full into it. Um, So what, what do you think about that approach? And what do you think about talking as a form of integration specifically one-on-one or maybe in a setting of a word circle or a sharing circle yeah
1: oh absolutely i mean uh, one of my journeys is actually one of the the videos on 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 the channel you know one of the journeys i had was about uh about how are you the phrase how are you so it was it was funny that you mentioned that now it's literally how it came to me in the journey um Uh, just so you know I
0: i haven't seen that video i've only seen okay I think two of your videos, so, but I think we agree okay. on a lot of stuff.
1: No, for sure. Um, you know, and, and it, it showed me that when we greet people at the doors of our house, so you got friends coming over, family coming over, whatever, you open the door and right there, standing in the doorway, you say, how are you? And they say, hey, I'm good. How are you? And you say, I'm good. And that's it, Right. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. That's the end of the "How are you?" conversation, and then you sit down and you talk about the kids, and you talk about the weather, and you talk about COVID, and you talk about all these other things, right? And the medicine said to me, "This is. I've got to stop doing that." And it, it, you know, it was kind of it had a sense of humor to it, but it said to me, "How are you?" Mustn't be said at the door. You wait until you sit down, then you ask, "How are you?" and it should take up 75% of the afternoon is each person's opportunity to speak about how they are it should be the most important part of that getting together not the cursing that just gets dismissed at the door you know um and it's very much the practice around sharing circles and things like that which we we practice in this medicine you know and 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 I think a lot of people don't have the confidence to try and encourage that within there it's again this this resistance from peer circles and friends and family and stuff like that uh it's very difficult to encourage people um into that practice if you're the only one who, who wants to do it uh but this is where i find people who in, in recovery are, are actually so lucky you know um because they go through the very similar process where they do a lot of group work and a lot of sharing and a lot of that you know it's it's such a fundamental part of human connection, is that real sharing, that honesty. Everyone worries, you know, everyone wonders why they feel alone and cut off in the world. The reason that you're alone and cut off is because you're hiding. It's totally your responsibility. You know, it's no one else's fault. It's because we don't feel safe to share. We don't feel like if you tell someone what you really feel or what you're going through, you um, that they might not judge you or whatever, there's always that concern that they might look at you differently. um, And and you don't want to mess with that, you know. So yeah, 100% I I agree with you 100% where those conversations need to just, just change their depth, change the level of vulnerability, you know, and I love that. I really love that. Uh, I really, really love that. Yeah, it's only the distracting conversations. You know, on a retreat, it doesn't matter how well you screen people. There's always one or two people who get there, and then they aren't that keen to, you know, do the hard work. Um, and then sometimes they can be a distraction to others because they're looking just to, you know, talk nonsense. Um, yeah, so that's why is, I always just say to people, you know, if you if you is, get into cool. a circle like that, move away. You know. Don't don't get caught up into that because it's just going to take you out of your process. Not everyone, you know, and and, and when you have screening conversations with people, you know, I I always try and place as much emphasis as I can. I say, look, this is really, really tough. Hardest thing you're ever going to go through. You think, you know, what's hard is this is really hard. You know, be prepared. And everyone always says, I know it's good. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready until they get there. And then it's like, whoops, (laughs) I don't want to look at that. Um, and uh and and then, yeah, then then they get into the mindset of just trying to distract themselves with lightheartedness and and, and that kind of thing, and that can really bring the container down you know this so, this
0: really yeah, really rings a bell for me because this is a daily life of a facilitator. You talk to people and you put your soul into the explaining and try to use the best analogies you can come up with, and then when uh, and then they still don't understand you. or if, let's say I tell people, you know, sometimes, maybe half of you are not going to connect completely and have the big breakthrough in the first ceremony and then um, they just assume that it's the other half it's not them or i had literally 10 days ago at the retreat i had the guy and he he listened to everything that i've been talking to in in preparation and then when, when it really hit him and he went through a really tough process and wanted to give up and we started talking, I managed to convince him to stay and keep drinking. And he, had, he had this beautiful, amazing transformational experience. He said, well, but it was really painful. But I, was, I said, well, I warned you that it's going to be this way. He said, yeah. well, but it was just words. But when he felt it, he was like, okay, I it's it's not just words. So everything sit that says to you probably is for a reason. Like there's there's not much time to talk about, you know, filler words and stuff like that. It is really, yeah. How how do you? I know it's not on the topic of integration, but it's a topic that fascinates me. Uh, you know, you you communicate pretty well. How 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 do you find it? The communication with the patients at the retreat.
1: On the retreat itself.
0: Yeah. Or just generally. yeah. I'm,
1: I'm... Yeah, I, I'm 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 quite ruthless. Um, I find that I, I I I I push people quite hard. You know, I can be quite strict, and um, I'm available to everybody all the time. I love what I've learned. Um, I love speaking. I love speaking about the medicine. I love sharing the medicine. But in terms of how I kind of deal with each person, I will always push exactly whichever button I feel needs to be pushed, and I will push it hard. You know, um, I don't, I try not to let anyone get away with anything less than their best on a retreat, you know, and if that means triggering their ego or upsetting them or whatever, I have the saying that if something I say pushes you further away from me, but closer to God, mission accomplished you know um so it's just a matter of pushing those buttons and sometimes people get upset with me and whatever until the last ceremony, you know and then they come back crying and it's like oh wow thank you you know and it's just about um just pushing you know pushing 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 you know and, and it's something that you know our world around us now the way that you know our modern medicine and and our entire approach to life is all about trying to feel better, right? So not necessarily get better, but just feel better. So we're always pacifying ourselves and and feeding ourselves, you know, just with stimulus and and trying to feel better. And and the whole pharmaceutical system is, you know, if you have a headache, you take a tablet, it's all about feeling better. If you can't sleep, take a sleeping tablet, it's all about feeling better. So it's so difficult because all of kind of, people's understanding of what human empathy is, is actually sympathy, which I don't believe in at all. It's this kind of, you know, um, rescuing, this notion of rescuing. Um, And when people are having a tough time and that there is that kind of instinct in them to say like, I need help, I need to be rescued. But if anybody helps that person or rescues them, they will never have the truly overwhelmingly beautiful experience of helping themselves, you know. So whenever someone's struggling like that, I just say to them, you've got this, you know. Get out of the back seat of the car, get into the front seat, take the wheel and drive the car, you know, and then mm-hmm. leave it at that. Um, because um, that's how it goes, you know
0: uh so rick I, b- I believe the topic you're talking about is um the concept of tough love and ayahuasca is known for its um tough love it's like showing the problem the way it is and just saying kind of like tough motherly love you know go go clean your room style thing it's like um the the nobody else is gonna do it for you so you have to do it and and, and i think your your teaching approach is is very much in line with that concept so which, which I'm sure works, and I also myself have some difficult conversation with, conversations with people a lot of times because in our society, as, as you mentioned, you know, we all are conditioned to sort of numbing the pain and running away from problems and also wanting uh, people that they assume sometimes, you know, they come to an ayahuasca retreat and they paid for it, so... Um, everything will be done for them but we can do everything for you except the healing part and and this is this gets tough sometimes you mentioned about uh, people also uh, trying to separate say meditation from their everyday life so i believe if i'm not mistaken the word separation is literally the opposite of the word integration right so um, uh, how do you yourself you know you talked to talk a little bit about that but what, what do you see mindfulness, uh, where do you see it in the part of the integration process? And do you have any anything you can recommend to people, maybe some some specific tips or tricks, you know?
1: So as tricks go, yeah, it's something that I uh, actually speak to my wife quite a lot about, you know, just as we navigate life together, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and it's something that often comes up is, is know when you're faced with a situation in life there's there's always the mental interpretation and the spiritual interpretation you know um and you know if you get a flat tire or if you run out of electricity or if you crash your car or you know anything happens there's if you crash your car it's very easy and very common to say well, I shouldn't have been driving driving on the wrong side of the road, or I shouldn't have done this, or I shouldn't have, you know, um, turned so soon, or I shouldn't have been in a rush to get there, or whatever the case is. And this is our habit of always looking for cause and effect, you know, and and it comes stems from that control I was talking about earlier, where our entire society is structured around control and the illusion of control that we can control everything that we can avert any kind of disaster in our lives if we if we plan everything perfectly then nothing will go wrong you know and so for me the mindful practice is really about trying to look more for the spiritual explanation in the challenges that we face you know in our daily lives and each time something happens uh, also something that came to me in a journey once is that um you know when something goes wrong you know, you, you, you're walking down the road and you you stumble and you drop your coffee, your brand new Starbucks coffee just goes spilling on the floor. You know, there is a microsecond, a split second as that coffee hits the floor and you realize what's happened where you get to label that experience as being bad or good. It's a split second, and we do not even aware of it because we just assume it's bad. Oh, well, something's gone wrong, and now you know I'm, I'm really cross because I don't have coffee anymore. Um, but it was just, you know, the medicine showed me that how once you label something as bad, as soon as you say that this is a problem that shouldn't have happened, you know, I, this could have been avoided, should have been avoided, and definitely must never happen to me ever again. Whatever I need to do to avoid this ever happening again is what I need to change in my life. That's a very mental approach, you know, a very mental control-oriented approach. But if you take that moment and allow the possibility that dropping that coffee brings you a gift, and it's all about time frame. It's not going to bring you a gift in this very moment, but it's all about time frame. And just allowing yourself to experience the journey, just give it a chance. You know, give it a chance. See what happens. You never know. Um, and and so i think that you know as far as a mindful practice is concerned i I have a a young child who's six and what i always say to him is wait and see just wait and see you know don't be so quick to judge what just happened as being a problem or being wrong or being something that you don't want you don't know that you have no idea so many people obviously you know i think everyone in life has this experience where you have a terrible boss or something like that and you hate the way they treat you and this kind of torment goes on for a long time and eventually you've had enough and you leave the job and you end up doing what you were meant to do your whole life you know and then you don't think back and think that was an angel that person was an angel that was pushing me to where i was supposed to be going but in that moment we're so convinced that this is a negative thing in our lives that this person shouldn't be treating us this way that we don't realize that we can be so rigid that we don't move with a hint, you know, spiritual said us, you shouldn't be here, be there. And we don't listen because again, the control thing, we don't wanna lose our job. We don't wanna be vulnerable. We don't wanna do this one and do that. So we don't listen and then we don't move. And then, but you know, the 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 universe knows what's best for us. So then it pushes a little harder and it gives us an impossible manager. And, you know, it it, it throws all these insufferable things in our way to ultimately, kick us out the door to where we're supposed to be so for me that process of mindfulness is really about wait and see you know don't label everything that happens to you straight away just wait and see um you'd be surprised at how often it just turns out exactly the way it's supposed to you know
0: yeah this is um this is a very wise advice and sort of looking for silver lining and things or, or being patient, patient uh, definitely happened to me myself. You know, I had some, uh, uh, what at first seemed negative events uh, led me into very positive ones. And I'm sure it's not uh, the end and more more will come. So it's just being, remembering that. Um, in your video on integration, you also mentioned that indigenous people don't seem to have an officially defined integration process. Why Why do you think that is?
1: like i say in the video you know our our process of integration and also what i said at the beginning of the the video is that our process of integration is actually an unlearning process you know it's not a learning process and that's where i think i mean the difference between active and passive is that people often approach integration they think they have to learn something new it's not learning something new it's letting go of something that doesn't belong there you know, it's a letting go process. It's not a. It's not a. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna get fit. I'm gonna stop drinking alcohol. It's. It's rather just letting go of the part of you that that does that wants that. You know, letting go of the feeling that you need that in your life, or the feeling that that you can't do without this thing or that thing or or this structure in your life. So, you know, for the indigenous people, again, like I was saying about you know an animal that lives in the jungle um any part of nature as i say lives by faith and grace because they don't know when their next meal is coming you know um everything is they're at the mercy of of the beauty of nature you know and so the integration process for them those habits haven't really formed the way that they have for us you know um because they live closely to nature because they're working with the medicine all the time um, and from a young age, you know. So a lot of these coping mechanisms that we use to get through the traumas of our life, you know, Dr. Gavo Mateo is such a great guy to, to listen to and how he talks about trauma and all of that, you know, and his thing is that, you know, a lot of your your, your coping mechanisms were there. Sorry, one second. <clears throat> Your coping mechanisms are there to protect you as a child, you know, and to protect you and get you through life, you know, and difficult situations in life where you had to survive. And that can be being bullied at school, being made fun of. It can be anything. Trauma doesn't have to be something huge and significant and, you know, abuse or something like that. Trauma is is anything that makes you look at yourself with anything except love, you know, so... Um, you know, so so those is that's where our coping mechanisms come from. And then we build a whole castle on top of that. You know, we make a whole life out of those coping mechanisms. So the integration process is really about letting go of that. And I think that they haven't put as much of that into their lives as we have. And it's actually quite sad to see as modern the modern world penetrates the jungle, um, how, you know, These people who used to be living completely within nature are now all on social media, you know, and, you know, going into town all the time and stuff like that. And and there's kind of a sadness experiencing that because you know that that you know where that goes, you know, (laughs) so it, it, it almost feels like there's a time limit in that and that knowledge will be that 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 perfect integration with nature will almost be lost to humanity you know there's so few untouched civilizations now left um and i think this is a very important part of you know kind of where you and i sit is trying to keep this alive um at all costs you know um and 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 studying it and and respecting and honoring it and you know, and 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 trying to carry it forward. You know, um, so yeah. So I think the integration process is really just a, a a consequence of our modern mind, really, our civilized mind, if you want to call it that.
0: Yeah, the there, that. there's this biggest uh, big movement of you know capitalism and sort of more day modern day living coming into the indigenous people's lives, and there's also and in, in opposite direction, the ayahuasca coming into the Western world, so the question is what wins? So, what happens first, and then we maybe, are. <laughs> maybe by the time the the Western way completely takes over, it might not be that bad already, you know that's that's my hope, and I'm sure it's it's yours as well as like any Absolutely. any person that's optimist and is uh, hoping for more people as possible, having ayahuasca experience hopes for this other version of reality where we are better off as a society and um yeah uh, i think another thing that indigenous people have and generally south americans to a larger extent is they still have they the families and their communities they're still big and the sharing is still there they they really have that mechanism that i believe we have lost in the western world so even if the if looking at once again at um Talking as a part of the integration process, I think they still have those deep conversations. At least, um, you know, my wife, she's uh, she's Colombian, and of course, she she's partially indigenous, like all like all um, all South Americans, and and you can see it in her. But um, she's not; she didn't grow up in the jungle. You know, she grew up in the countryside, and she's uh, you know educated and, and is largely a part of the the Western world. However. When she spoke to her family members or her um friends on you know on a daily basis the way they share is much deeper than 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 you would observe in a conversation in my country or you know in between two two north americans so i think if we you know go back to building communities and like allowing that form of you know kind of like we would naturally i would i would assume with a with a bonfire in the middle and a group of friends sitting around and people and community members and just sharing about how they day went. I think this is also a beautiful sort of way to integrate. And you you mentioned Gabor Mate. I really love Gabor Mate. I partially when creating this podcast, I I kind of had this unrealistic dream to maybe interview him one day. And uh, you never I'm know. Now, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, you never know if you just. Um, if I guess if uh, the universe is on my side, that will happen. So, Gabor, if you're listening, which I know you're not, yeah. so or maybe somebody who knows them, send me the send me the contact. Uh, I need to interview this guy. He's uh, he's been a big part of my my own journey with the medicine, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you you mentioned him. So, um, as a outside of the topic of a facilitator, something we touched upon a little bit just now. What do you see the future of um, ayahuasca um, and uh, in in our modern society? What what do you think it would have will happen? Where are you yourself pushing towards? In which direction?
1: What do you mean direction?
0: Um, like um, you mean- um, Yeah, I, I guess that's um, that's my way of thinking because you 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 you're going more with the flow, but. For example, I'll, uh, my hope is I, I I want to have as many people as possible have experience with ayahuasca, um, experience the healing and launch their healing progress, uh, healing process, and I would like to there to be as many retreats similar to mine and yours and many many more to slowly pop out as mushrooms in the forest under the rain and like gradually come to the point where instead of As of now, I believe we have less than 1% of the world trying ayahuasca to have more, maybe 10, 20. That's my dream. Uh, I'm an optimist. I believe it will will happen as as the time goes by. What do you think from that perspective? And um, what is your approach to the medicine? Because I I believe you mentioned that uh, you have this uh, grounded way of seeing things uh, and working with the medicine.
1: Sure, yeah, so I mean, yes, I, I I would love for everybody to have that. And when I speak to people that I know I'm not ready, I never see somebody as being not suitable for ayahuasca. I always see them as not suitable yet or not suitable now, you know, not not prepared to work with the medicine yet. Um, there must be a question before the answer can emerge, you know, so, That person needs to get to that place where they're willing to listen. Um, And, you know, so, and I would love for everybody who feels called to the medicine to be able to experience the medicine. That would be utopia, you know. And, And, you know, Graham Hancock is obviously one of the people from the very, very, very civilized mainstream world who advocates ayahuasca so strongly um and being a best-selling author and all of that he's obviously got quite a uh a mouth mouthpiece you know he, he, a lot of people uh listen and you know and, and and that was he said that he believes that that this is not just your brain chemistry this is not some hallucination this is a deep, deep spiritual, uh, you know, uh, journey that you go on, and what you see is very real. And he said that this is not something to be suspicious of. This is not something to demonize. This is not something to control. It should be something that any. Uh, you know, adults should be able to take the decision to do if that's what they feel is on the healing path. And I think that that goes for most plant medicine, you know, and and we're seeing a lot of that now with mushrooms where they're getting a lot of uh, freedom. There's a quite a a very rapid, you know, uh, revolution in that sense, you know, especially in the states, many states are now uh, allowing it. So. I see that as very positive from a plant medicine point of view. I think, and that's also been, you know, a big part of my kind of mission that was laid out to me in that ceremony is really about legitimizing it. I also I speak to a lot of people who are in recovery, you know, ex-addicts and things like that. And I was actually speaking to someone just yesterday who was at the house, and um and I said to her, you know we should we should consider working with plant medicine she's willing to ready to work and whatever and she said well i'm not sure if it's okay if i'm taking a substance and maybe i should speak to my sponsor about that and you know i appreciate that that's the box that the world has put these things into anything that alters your consciousness is now considered a drug which is something that can be abused um I can't imagine anyone abusing ayahuasca. But the, the the drug's not the thing that would be abused. You would you would regret that so terribly. And, and yeah. there's there's nothing fun about it. It's not the kind of thing you do to run away from your problems. Certainly the best not. thing, the best you know, thing so to happen
0: I, to an addict is to try and abuse ayahuasca because you'll no longer be an addict. For sure.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. You'll you'll learn your lesson real quick. Um, you know, so I see absolutely no correlation between those worlds and and I think that's the difference between a drug and a medicine and I think the the way that we speak about this medicine to the average person when you talk about it as a medicine, I think that's something that's quite difficult for them to get their head around you know we just use the word medicine you know all the time synonymously with these plants and I think that there's a there's a degree of resistance there that they, they don't really kind of maybe believe that one hundred percent and then maybe think that we're just you know, sugarcoating what's actually a drug, you know, um mm-hmm. because that's the simple view on things. If it alters your consciousness, it's a drug and it's dangerous, and you might get into trouble with it and all of this kind of jazz. So unfortunately, we've got a, a legacy of that, you know thanks to the war on drugs and 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 thanks to all of that stuff where everything's just been piled into that box. But with marijuana being rapidly, you know it's exploded everywhere all over the world, and now mushrooms are going through a similar kind of a a rebirth um, from a legal perspective. I'm really hoping that, you know, San Pedro will go through the same thing, Ayahuasca will go through the same thing, and slowly but surely people will start to realize, and governments will start to realize, that these things heal you, you know, and it's for the betterment of society, and, you know, but obviously there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of strings being pulled everywhere that, you know, it's 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 a difficult process, but as far as i'm concerned and i, I think you probably feel the same as you do what you can with what's in front of you you know um i just keep trying as hard as i can within my environment and hope that that makes a difference you know um, yeah i hope, I I hope, hope for
0: that. the same thing i hope for the same thing that <clears throat> the world slowly rebrands the um, these medicines to to from drug to the medicine and uh responsibly mm-hmm. so meaning in a controlled setting people will experience their healing to eventually ceremony where a ceremony where the better world can exist may i'm 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 even open to the to the medical mm-hmm. therapeutic setting but it has to it has to maintain some side of the ceremony because if you take The ceremony away from ayahuasca is like taking roots off the tree. The tree will then rot, and yeah,
1: absolutely. This is what concerns me: is that you know there's some research being done, uh, and and I appreciate that the scientific community is looking at at some of these plants. However, the scientific community or the pharmaceutical community is notorious for wanting to put something into a pill, you know, and also to to separate the molecules so you know we want to address parkinson's well only this percentage of ayahuasca has a a proven scientific effect on parkinson's so we'll remove all the other molecules and we'll just isolate this Mm -hmm. one molecule and you'll take it in a tablet and you know that is not what the medicine's about so if if I'm, i'm not keen on that type of legitimacy where it's used as a product yeah but it's the kind of legitimacy where they appreciate the ceremonial context and realize that in the context of that, it must be done that way. Yeah, you know, you
0: know It's a psychology. I do. I do agree. Let's uh, let's keep things uh, traditional and ceremonial. Rick, we are running out of time. Unfortunately, I have a feeling we could talk about no uh, this this subject for hours mm-hmm. and maybe other more. And uh, probably we should do it again. So, guys, if you like this episode and you're watching it on YouTube. Do leave a comment and ask for another one. And uh, if uh, if you if you leave enough comments, then maybe Rick will uh, agree for another episode. I'm just uh, kidding. Um, Rick, uh, thank you for your work for the work you're doing and um, for this episode. I think uh, some people find it very productive. Rick, where can people find you and more about you?
1: Um, well, my YouTube channel is called In Ceremony um and my contact details are on there so you can contact me that way um I share on there some information you know like my integration video I have a preparation video as well which I send to all my participants and and that's quite popular um and then also basically all the journeys I've had I try and share the the nuggets of truth that that, that came from these things and, and how that's helped change my life and whatever so yeah, i think that's a good place to start check that out see if you like it um, and then anyone is welcome to contact me i'm very engaged on my youtube channel if you ask me a question in the comments i'll answer completely and i'm always happy to speak to people one-on-one so no worries i'm very available
0: yeah guys i recommend you check rick's videos he's uh he's really good at explaining some pretty difficult things so rick once again thank you so much for coming and um um thank you guys for listening to this episode of ayahuascapodcast.com as always with you was Sam believe the founder of, of uh, la ayahuasca Retreat and I will see you in the next episode